0: All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. You should carefully consider investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of any investment before investing. Diversification and asset allocation do not guarantee a profit or guarantee against loss. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird and Company, Incorporated, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor. Member NYSE, FINRA, and SIPC.
1: Welcome once again to Invest Wisely with Walt Secura of the AKW Group in Akron. They take their clients' money, invested in individually created portfolios of individually owned stocks that will hopefully take their clients through the rest of their lives, whether they're working now or to get ready for retirement, they're in retirement, or, or even just uh, just starting out, they got the portfolios that can work with just about every client that they have. If you want to have any questions for Walt, you can certainly put them on the air right now, 330-673-1234, and on WNR.com, toll free from anywhere, 800-669-4100. Well, the world situation and the market keep going up and down and up and down, so it makes for a rather interesting time, doesn't it, Walt?
2: sure does, Bob. Yeah, we, we have a time of really increased volatility, and we're definitely seeing that, uh, like you said, in, in economic activity as well as the capital market. So, you know, the stock market faced more volatility last week. Um, we did end up with a positive movement for the week. The Dow Jones Industrial Average finished up 106 points. It's at 34,861. Uh, that was a 0.3% increase for the week and year to date. Uh, that Dow Jones sits negative 4.1%. The S&P 500 was up 1.8% for the week, moved up about 79 points at 45.43. Year-to-date, we're negative 4.7%. The NASDAQ had a, a pretty good week, re- rebounding 2%, 275 points, sitting at 14,169. And year-to-date, we're at negative 9.4% there. And the Russell 2000, which we look at for the measure of the small mid-cap stocks uh, for the week, was off 0.4%. Um, and year-to-date, sitting down negative 7.5%. So, you know, Bob, we, we look across, you know, the 10 sectors, um, you know, ended in positive territory last week. Energy was up quite a bit. Again, we saw oil prices come back up. Uh, and again, that pushed that, uh, those energy stocks back up. Materials are up 4.1%. Uh, utilities up 3.5%. Uh, so it's, um, you know, the world is an interesting place, as you say, and there is there is some uh, footing that seems to be coming underneath us a little bit. I think uh, a lot of people, the fear and, you know, some of the initial shocks of the system uh, are kind of past us now. I think everybody's kind of settled in looking at uh, the realities of where we stand and, you know, trying to think
1: of how to navigate through the balance of the year. Now, of course, the markets are off from their highs of last year, which was a record year. So people should not be completely surprised that what uh, goes up sometimes comes down. But the, the world situation, the Ukraine war continues, grinds on and on, and investors are wondering you know, when it's going to end. So what, what further impacts is this war having on the uh, economy and, uh, and global trade?
2: Bob, I mean, it has huge impacts. I think you know, from a from a long term perspective, on globalization and and you know trade and and just development of uh, opportunities around the world. You know, this disruption kind of changes a lot of things. And uh, you know, for thirty years, we had you know some really strong you know movements as far as advancements in, in global trade and uh, international trade, and that that helped tremendously. You know, with with a lot of companies and economies. So uh, there isn't, you know, some, some disruption there, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think the war is still playing on sentiment a little bit. Um, you know, it definitely any type of ceasefire would definitely have some positive effects. And I think that's probably thinking ahead a little bit, uh, that type of an outcome and how you might want to be positioned if we get a ceasefire at some point it might be an appropriate thing to be thinking about with your investments at this time.
1: You know, in the 30 years since the Soviet Union uh, collapsed, uh, people only thought that Russia was going to become more part of the of the world again. It was going to be part of our of our trade. We're going to be, if not buddies, certainly trade partners. And we just never imagined that uh, they would, in essence, return to their Cold War status and their Cold War stance of uh, it's us against the rest of the world. So that's got to be also kind of surprising when we thought we were moving toward more of a uh, of a uh, give-and-take relationship with the with the Soviet uh, former Soviet Union
2: absolutely Bob you know again I was managing money back at that time when uh, you know you said the Cold War ended and I remember when the first McDonald's uh, you know went into the Soviet Union, just the uh, the media coverage of that and you know it was a pretty pretty amazing event and you know it seemed like there would be a tremendous amount of movement forward It just uh, shows that you know, in those types of economies, you always have political risk. You know, when you don't have a, a full democratic, um, capitalistic society like here at the United States, you're always subject to sometimes the, you know, what a few people do and how it impacts the overall um, country. So, uh, political risk is definitely a risk you got to think about when you're investing.
1: The other risk, which was already there before the Ukraine war began, was the concern about inflation, the rebound from uh, over two years of of a stifled economy because of the COVID pandemic was starting to inflate prices and uh, give a supply chain problem. So the, the uh, Federal Reserve has become very hawkish regarding interest rates. They're speaking openly about raising them uh, several times uh, uh, this year. We've already raised it once already. They may say they might raise it again even as early as uh, the next couple of weeks. So what do you think about raising the interest rates and its effect against uh, uh, inflation?
2: Yeah, well, Bob, I think they showed they were serious, finally, and a lot of comments this week, uh, not only from Jerome Powell, but a lot of the uh, com- you know, committee members of the FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee. Um, Bullard was out talking. Fed Governor Waller was talking. Um, even the local uh, Cleveland Fed uh, President Mester was, was talking. And all of them are pretty you know, hawkish in their comments about you know rates need to go higher, uh, we saw the 1-, 2-, 3-, 5-, and 10-year, 30-year Treasury all closed at their highest level since 2019. So we definitely see the bond market reacting to that hawkish sentiment. And, um, you know, we're pricing in a Fed funds probably right now in the two and a quarter to 2.5% range, you know, based on the expected increases uh, in Fed funds that, the you know, the FOMC will continue to do. So uh, we definitely see that playing out, uh, you know, in the markets.
0: Now,
1: the other term that's coming up, which we uh, once more haven't heard in about 40 years, is called stagflation. This was very uh, prevalent in the uh, 1970s. What is stagflation?
2: Well, stagflation, Bob, is an economic environment, and it's typically characterized by high inflation, high unemployment, and slow or negative economic growth. And in simple terms, it's just not fun. I mean, you know, when you have high inflation and slow growth and you know, slow growth means you know tougher as far as uh, you know more layoffs and job disruption. People being concerned about incomes, and then everything being higher as far as you know costs. So, not a period of time we want to see. You'd have to go back to the 1970s uh, to really study and look at a period of stagflation. So, the probabilities of it are higher. Um, we still see a lot of scenarios where that can be avoided, and I think what the Federal Reserve is doing right now with raising rates and becoming a little more hawkish should help. Uh, you know, maybe combat some of those
1: uh, concerns. One issue, though, that is uh, still giving us positive signs is the declining unemployment rate. And uh, it still is uh, getting much better than it was during the pandemic. But we still are facing the other aspect of this, and that is the so-called great resignation. Uh, All the people that have left the job force uh, because of maybe COVID, because of other, other issues in the last couple of years, Are people kind of reversing that now? Are they deciding that maybe they uh, uh, left a little too soon and are coming back to the workplace now that the pandemic seems to be easing?
2: Yeah, Bob, we've seen some really good job numbers the last two months and um, some different research being done out there that says that some of the people maybe that left earlier coming back, uh, I think when you see higher prices... And, uh, you know, also when your assets get impacted, you know, if you had a 401K or investments that you thought you were going to live off of and they, they move down in value for a few months, it, it probably changes your outlook a little bit as how safe your, your uh, retirement or leaving the workforce is. So I, I think it will be a trend that we do see reverse a little bit. Um, it's easy for qualified people to come back into the worst workforce right now, as we've talked about. There's a tremendous amount of job opportunities out there. We have over 11 million job openings. Um, uh, so there's a lot, a lot of opportunity if people do want to work.
1: Once again, we're talking to Walt Secura of the AKW Group here in Akron. They invest their clients' money in individually-owned stock portfolios. If you have any questions for Walt, 330-673-1234 is our number to call here on this uh, snowy Sunday morning. Time, though, to look at our trends and insights for the week. Walt does a lot of research throughout the week and comes up with many interesting aspects, and, and I might call them factoids, that uh, could have an impact on your investment portfolios and on your investment philosophy. The first one is uh, the Bankrate Financial Security Index. 66% of U.S. consumers, according to this uh, survey, expect no improvement in their personal finances this year. They blame the COVID pandemic, politics in Washington, to the primary reasons for their pessimism. However, if you break it down to the age groups, the younger age groups are more optimistic than the old folks. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, interesting. Again, these types of studies just kind of support what we're seeing out there, Bob. You know, it's a, a lot of concern. You know, sentiment is lower. Confidence is lower, um, especially in older people. I think, you know, these kinds of changes in, in stuff like a war impact people differently at different ages and generations. And uh, But I think younger people are still fairly opt- a little bit more optimistic about um, – Uh, you know, their ability to improve financially. A lot of them are staying at home longer. Um, They're saving money, uh, you know, and have a lot less use of debt in in younger generations. So uh, if you don't have a lot of debt and you're staying at home and you got some of the bills covered and you can save money up, you definitely would be a little bit more confident.
1: Another uh, aspect of uh, consumer interest is, according to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, some 43 million Americans have over 88 billion dollars in medical debt on the credit files.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a big thing out there, Bob. You know, it's, this impacts finances. Um, it's when we talk to people, we really you know stress the importance of a even these HSA programs to cover on it on you know uh, the medical expenses you may not be planning for, um, and also you know making sure you take care of these debts that come up. Uh, medical expenses can really disrupt the financial plan, and we see a lot of people that have that out there, but uh, this is why insurance is so important, and, you know, a lot of medical insurance companies that we follow their stocks, and a lot of them are doing very, very well. Um, People need this risk protection, and, you know, this is another reason to be employed. A lot of good employees provide great health insurance.
1: And, of course, this week, too, the major credit reporting agencies have come out to say they're going to literally phase out putting medical bills, late medical bills, on your credit report.
2: Yeah, some changes going on there, Bob. I think they're looking at how that's impacting, you know, credit uh, credit decisions and so forth. So, it, you know, a lot of, a lot of changes to pay attention to.
1: And where you found this one? I love this. The World Happiness Report, <laughs> where, wherever that comes from, says that Finland is the happiest country in the world, and four other Nordic countries make the top ten. And the U.S. moved up a bit, but uh, were we in the top ten?
2: No, we're not in the top 10. Denmark, Iceland, Sweden, Norway are all in the top 10. We're at 16, Bob, and we moved up three spots. So the United States isn't as happy as a lot of other countries out there.
1: And the countries that are happy are the countries where it snows a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah, they stay oh. inside. and can oh, that be? This crazy world as much, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not
1: happy today, I tell you that. <laughs> no, oh, <not> my. <laughs> and we talked about supply chain. Again, one of the big supply chain things that came up were the congested ports. Uh, in the west coast in los angeles long beach uh, they say those are uh, congestion they're starting to clear but they getting more congestion now uh, in the far east shanghai hong kong they're starting to clog up
0: yeah
2: we're down to about forty ships in the harbors out there in los angeles and uh... and uh, long long bay you know it's a bit but over in those asian countries uh, you you got a lot of backups 362 ships out there they say in those uh, those ports out in asia but uh... We're down to near 40 or around 40. We're up well over 100 uh, at the height of the supply chain disruption out in California. So we are seeing some shifts where those disruptions, but there's still disruptions, Bob, and something to pay attention to.
1: Once again, we're talking to Walt Sakira of the AKW Group on Invest Wisely and time to also now open our Stock Talk section up. This is particularly you investors who can call us up during this uh, period and talk to Walt about particular stocks that you're watching out there and uh, get his reading on whether or not he thinks they're a good investment. three three zero six seven three one two three four. 673 1234 And outside of Akron on WNIR.com, we have a toll-free number you can use, 800 Now, we talk a lot about, about dividend yields and dividend increases and stock buybacks. You found an article this past week in Barron's by Lawrence Strauss talking about shareholder yield, which uh, does support a lot about what you've been saying for some time. How important is shareholder yield?
2: Well, we think it's really important. I mean, these kind of the kind of metrics we like to focus on. So, you know, dividend yields, if you look back over the last 12 months, uh, ending February, you know, we're at about uh, 1.35% dividend yields on the uh, S&P 500. But the buybacks are running close to 1.82%. Buybacks have become a big part of, I think, shareholder yield. If you think of what companies can do with their money, I mean, they can boost internal growth, you know, invest for their own future. They can acquire other companies. They can distribute dividends, they can repurchase their own stock, or they can lower their debt. Those are really the five basic uses of cash. Uh, so we like companies that focus on some of the shareholder returns, and shareholder equity, shareholder uh, yield is a, definitely a nice metric uh, to pay attention to. So definitely a part of what we look at when we're looking at strong companies.
1: Let's go to the phones now. You're on WNIR with Walt Secura.
2: Morning. Morning.
3: Say, uh wondering wondering... Uh, I've had good luck with spinoffs. You know, uh, the drug company spinning off uh, different things, like Merck spun off Organon and Pfizer spun off uh, Zoetis and different things. There's another one that I noticed on my account. I've got some Viatris V T R S. It was a spinoff of Pfizer, and uh, it doesn't. It pays four and a half percent. Did you have you ever? Uh, is it on your radar, that VTRS spinoff of yeah. Pfizer?
2: We had some shareholders, uh, again, that owned Viatris uh, uh, because of the spinoff from Pfizer. And, again, they're, you know, they do a diverse range of uh, different type of treatments for cardiovascular health, I think, and oncology. Um, so uh, it's interesting when these firms spin off. Sometimes uh, you know firms spin off because they want to get things off of their own uh, balance sheet and open up growth for the main company, but sometimes spinning off these smaller companies is truly to le- unleash the potential of what they offer alone. And uh, this is an interesting one. I mean, we definitely see some strong revenue uh, growth in Beatrice uh, the last four quarters, 20, I think we're at 20%, 53%, 68%, and 69% revenue growth quarter over quarter. And it seems like profitability has just kinda of come back this last quarter. So definitely an in- interesting one. Trades at about a P of three times. Um so again, looks looks like a pretty interesting uh you know, thing to, uh, stock to pay attention to.
3: Is there anything uh, Baird's looking at uh uh, on their uh, watch list, it would be interesting for uh, old guy to watch.
2: <laughs> we have, we have a lot of ideas, Ken. Give me give me a call any during the week. We we can get you we can get you some ideas over for sure. Okay. Have a good week. Thank you. All
1: right. Thank you for calling. Stock talk three three zero six seven three one two three four. You can talk to Walt Secura of the AKW Group here in Akron and also in Western Pennsylvania. Now, earnings reports are kind of winding down. We're gearing up for the next uh, quarter's uh, onslaught, but there are a few late reporters came in. One of them being the big athletic footwear company called Nike. Oh, what did they do uh, this uh, this last uh, reporting period? And uh, what do you think about uh, their stock?
2: Well, you know, Nike came in with some uh, a little bit of revenue growth. Uh, they were at 10.9 billion over 10.4 billion, it's about a five percent uh, growth rate. Uh, they were negative in earnings growth for the quarter at 87 cents versus 90 cents the year prior. Uh, they're, they've been battling the supply chain, Bob. This is a big one. I mean, because of how they operate, um, you're talking about a, con- a you know company that has 300 factories in more than 30 countries. Uh, and they sell all throughout the world, so of course they have the one of the biggest, you know, supply chains out there that they got to deal with. Um, you know, their direct to shopper sales increased really strongly, about fifteen percent. So they're doing a real good job with their, uh, you know, their direct uh, sales, uh, you know, through the internet. Um, but again, a very strong retailer, athletic and apparel, and uh, one that we we pay close attention to. This is way back when I started following stocks, you know, back in the eighties and. I was. Uh, this is one of company I did a, a, a research report at in my MBA, and have always followed Nike. You know, very very strong company.
1: Another company that you follow because you own it in your core and uh, women's portfolio is Adobe. But uh, for surprisingly, Adobe reported earnings, and the outlook was not as uh, good as people thought it would be
2: yeah and Bob, this is when we sold it a couple weeks ago. Um, we just were looking at metrics here. They were trading at ten times revenue just just decided to move past the stock but um they they did show some weakness and you know it they you know if you look at the quarter it was nine percent in revenue, seven percent in earnings um, which you know doesn't hold up to what they had done in the past but for us, it was more a valuation decision. I mean, they still have incredible software um, You know, for the creatives, creatives out there, the creative suites that they offer. Um, it's still a great company, but again, that's that differentiation between a great company and a great stock. Uh, still a great company, but for us, just we don't see it as the great stock it, it was a few years ago.
1: Of course, Adobe went to an all-subscription-style format for their software in recent years. Do you think that at this point now, that's kind of catching up with them, and and uh, as other competitors come up with the old well, "you can buy the software and own it," that kind of discourages people from going with Adobe.
2: Well, I, I think you know they got a lot of benefits from switching over to that subscription, but but again, these companies become their own worst enemy. Bob, as we said, their success creates high expectations, and you know they they had a nice quarter, you know, for a, a company as large as they are, you know, doing nine percent revenue. We need four point two billion dollars over three point nine. That's that's a good number, but it's just not what the street expected. You know, uh, the the price that the stock was trading at, you know, the street wanted more like 20% growth. So these, these stocks really have huge expectations. They have to execute at really high levels. And as soon as they kind of come back to more mediocrity, uh, their stocks will definitely get impacted.
1: Now, Chinese stocks, Chinese businesses, of course, have been very volatile as people talk about regulating them and delisting them. Alibaba... Ten Tencent, JD.com, they continue to show what vol- vol- volatility has been with their companies the last week with some uh, movements, most of them, but downward. At this point, what is your feeling about uh, investing in Chinese companies at this time?
2: Yeah, we moved away from all the Chinese direct companies, Bob. Um, you know, we, we like some of the, again, these companies overall, but we don't like the political risk. Um, you know, we talked about it uh, last year, various times, even the year prior, that you know, the government was cracking down on technology a lot. They were trying to break up what they feel was more anti, you know, antitrust type of issues, and uh, really disrupted their whole um, technology sector. And then, of course, they've been battling the COVID and supply chains over there as well. But um, yeah, we we've been staying away from these Chinese stocks, and um, there's still talks about delisting and uh, increased regulations. Uh, a lot of times, they don't use the same accounting systems that we use here, you know, the general, the gap uh, accounting here that makes the financial metrics more, I, I think, uh, easier to uh, trust. So all these issues have led us to kind of moving away from the Chinese stocks at this moment.
1: I think that also, combined with the international possibilities of China aiding Russia in the war in Ukraine, I think contributes more and really substantiates your current uh, current position.
2: It does, and it, and it creates another risk, you know. And so I think where we can de-risk, we, we've definitely been de-risking over the past year.
1: A couple other companies, uh, not uh, earnings related, but they've done some interesting things. NVIDIA has been uh, uh, promoting their new artificial intelligence chips, and it's a big conference last week. AI, robots, things that can do it by themselves, things that may replace people. It's kind of big stuff.
2: It really is, Bob. And I, I tell everybody listening: go out to the Nvidia site, uh, look up their GTC conference, and watch the uh, watch some of that conference. Um, uh, it's just amazing the technology that this company has, and they're in a lot of the areas that uh, when we talk about the future in technology, they're definitely uh, innovating and executing at a very high level. We we really like Nvidia; it's a part of our core equity portfolio, and uh, we're we're glad it's in there.
1: I think I'll have Alexa do that for me. <laughs> <Take a laughs> look you at go. it. <laughs> uh, Tesla. Now they opened up its plant in Berlin last week. Uh, Elon Musk went over there and delivered a, their first uh, 30 Model Ys to the customers in Europe.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and that plan is is a great plan for Tesla. It brings out a lot of capacity. They say that. Uh, they can, they can do production of about 500,000 vehicles annually there, and they can probably, it's about 500 cars a week, and they can ramp that up to about 1,000 cars here in the next month or so. So, uh, increasing their manufacturing capacity and, again, showing their uh, their ability to you know start to grow a global footprint. So, uh, Tesla's executing at a very high level as well.
1: And again, just to think back 20 years ago, no one would have thought that an American company would open up a plant in Germany. And it seemed to be just the other way around.
2: Right, yeah, total change, which uh, shows the innovation of, uh, of Tesla and Elon Musk.
1: Now, the first quarter is going to come to an end this week. Uh, again, uh, very interesting in a, in, a, in a kind of a negative sense. But as we look at the first quarter, what are your thoughts at this point to summarize the first quarter and uh, maybe what might be happening in the second quarter of this year?
2: yeah but we're going to close the books on a on a tough quarter and one that reminded every investor out there that investing has risks and it's not something that goes straight up and you you have to have good plans and again it just reinforces for us the financial discipline the independence of thought the common sense the realistic expectations that we really really counsel you know all of our clients and prospects to you know you have to have these core fundamentals I think, to be set up for success. You know, for us, we're extremely confident. Uh, as we get here at the end of the first quarter, we're, we're looking really for, I think, a good year. And we've made some changes to position ourselves uh, for recovery and, and to be in the places we need to be. So probably more volatility, um, still a lot of uncertainty. But, again, that creates opportunity. You know, you, you, without risk, there isn't the returns. The higher the risk, the higher the returns. Uh, There's a lot of opportunities right now out there, right now, a lot of stocks that have been beaten down. And uh, you know, it's a good time to be out there investing money if you have the ability to to put more money to
1: work. And of course, the uh, folks at, at AKW Group have the backing of the Robert W. Baird Company throughout the world with all the services and information they provide. They can help their clients not with only just investing but with their retirement plans their estate plans, their uh, tax situations, all sorts of advice and help they can give clients that uh, really kind of round out the package of not only having your investments with the AKW Group, but also the other other things they can do to make sure they're doing the best possible with the assets that you have. So it's a good thought to give them a call and uh, talk to them about uh, more than just investing. 234 466 7476 is their accurate number, Two three four four six six seven four seven six, And then uh, Washington, Pennsylvania, just outside of uh, Pittsburgh, you can call Sue Marshall, who o- operates the uh, AKW Group branch office there. That number is 412-480-5090, 412-480-5090. Give them a call, tell them you heard them on WNIR Kent Akron. And uh, once again, avail yourself not only of their fine investment counseling services, but also of the other services they can provide you as you deal with your your money in these changing times. As uh, Walt said, there's always opportunity out there. So uh, if you have the expertise behind you like they have with the AKW group, you'll be doing okay. It's 234-466-7476. Give them a call. Uh, next week coming up, we can only say, I guess, uh, wait and see what's going to happen uh, next week.
2: That's for sure, Bob. But We'll be here next Sunday. We look forward to talking to you again.
1: Once again, you can call the AKW Group during the week and talk about your investments, 234-466-7476. It's a free counseling service. They're not going to uh, charge you just to give you some conversation of what they could do for you at the AKW Group. 234-466-7476 in Pittsburgh. Call them at 412 480 five zero nine zero. And again, tell him you heard him on the advice line here on WNIR. Walt Zakira and his team are waiting to hear from you. We'll talk to you again next Sunday morning. Walt. Thanks Bob. During
4: today's broadcast, the following individual stocks were mentioned and discussed. Alibaba group holding symbol B A B A Adobe systems, Inc symbol ADBE), JD.com Inc symbol J D. Merck & Company, Inc., symbol MRK. McDonald's Corporation, symbol MCD. Nike, Inc., symbol NKE. NVIDIA Corporation, symbol NVDA. Organon & Company, symbol OGN. Pfizer, Inc., symbol PFE. Tencent Holdings, symbol TCEHY. Tesla, Inc., symbol TSLA. Vietras, Inc., symbol VTRS and Zoetis Inc., symbol Z T S. Please note that Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated <clears throat> Please note that Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated makes a market in all the securities of these companies discussed during today's broadcast.